This is a Sunday message from New Community Church in London. To discover more about New Community, visit newcom.church. I want to say a big thank you to you guys because you've been uh, a great partner and uh, some years ago some uh, of the, the, the guys came out to Kenya with me and into Nairobi and we went particularly to Mathari Slum, which was a real challenging place, wasn't it? And, uh, you know, God touched James's heart, I know, and he said, we need to partner, we need to partner with this place. Uh, and so that's what we did and um, we're going to roll some um, statistics that have kind of been drawn from... Uh, the children that you sponsor as a church. And so uh, if you can do the maths, you'll know that there's 117 children already being sponsored, mainly in Kenya, and, and that's brilliant. And uh, actually, there's an opportunity if you have sponsored elsewhere, perhaps you've been online or been to Spring Harvest or some other conference and sponsored a child, actually, you can... Uh, use one of these QR codes, they're on the back table there as well. And you can link your sponsorship, if you're happy to do that, GDPR and all of that, uh, you can link your sponsorship to New Community Church Record, and then that will help us to get an even better impact next time we come, you know? So, uh, you know, maybe use that, and some of the guys did this morning. Uh, but thank you so much for what you've done. Look at uh, all the letters that have been received, and look at the letters that have been sent. Just a little encouragement to you, if you're a sponsor, can I encourage you to, to write a letter? Uh, download the Compassion UK app because uh, you can just do a few lines on there and it means the world to a child living in uh, the challenging circumstances that they live in and uh, uh, they really love to hear from you and they, you, they just know that they're loved, you know, as they uh, hear those precious words of encouragement from you. Uh, so yeah, just there they all are. There's the 117 children. Let's give them a clap, shall we? Fantastic. <laughs> They are doing well. They're doing well because you believe in them, because you're investing uh, something into their lives. And you're just part of the equation. You know, sometimes we, we can think, oh, that's my sponsored child. Uh, you, it is. It is your sponsored child. But you know what? You're part of a bigger team of people that are bringing hope. You know, a project director and a healthcare worker and a social worker and, uh, you know, um, the pastor of the church, volunteers. From the, and they're all engaged in seeing this this child do well and get out of the situation that they're in and so you know none of this or oh, we're making a difference over there well we are we're helping to but we're empowering local people to do the work and that's the best way in terms of development so uh, you know just keep on going because I've forgotten what half of it is but uh, I see a lot of these different ones and, the, and roll the next one yeah and the next one Fantastic. Look at all those contact hours. You know, it's good for... The children just love to be around the project, around people who love them, in a safe place as well. Meals and checkups and Bibles. And we don't just want to give children a more comfortable life. We want them to know the hope of the world. We want them to know Jesus. And so this is all about discipleship. It's all about helping them to discover uh, the one who loves them and uh, died for them and rose again for them so that they can be all that he wants them to be. And, and look at that. You know, you're a generous church. You're already giving out to so many different uh, great needs. Uh, and yet this is still happening, you know, on top of that. Uh, and it comes under the umbrella of your church. That's a blessing. 
You know, that's a seed that you're sending out. And I'm praying that God would just pour out that blessing upon you as a church. Well, uh, lots of different things. I hope that encourages you. But, you know, if you don't sponsor a child and you'd like to, it's 28 pounds a month. Here's, here's little Moses. He was six in January. And uh, here's Nima. She's going to be seven in uh, the end of June. And you can change your life. 28 pounds a month. That's a gym membership that you might not use. That, that's, you know, two or three trips to Starbucks that you don't really need. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, a takeaway, which is very nice, but how many takeaways do we have, you know? Um, but you could create a change maker and a, a mover and a shaker and a leader uh, that can make a difference and lift their own pov- uh, community out of poverty as you bring hope into their lives. So uh, fantastic. So thank you so much for your partnership and your friendship and relationship. It's brilliant. You, uh, you're a great church. Why don't we watch the screen? We're going to roll a video, one minute video, and then I'm going to hand back to John, and you're going to do something else, and I'll see you in a minute. the potential. Empower a child, empower the world. Reach a child, not with your hand, but with your heart. Carry God's message of love and sponsor a child. Open your heart and make a child's mind. Support a child, better the world. Receive love, give love, repeat. Your life can touch a child for a lifetime. A little compassion goes a long way. Take a chance, make a difference. Wonderful. Okay. Well, um, I hope you enjoyed those little videos. I noticed on there actually some old statistics, 1.7 million. It's now 2.2 million children. 
uh, and that's in over 8,000 projects in 27 developing nations around Africa and Asia and Central and South America. Uh, if you don't know about Compassion, it's been going for 70 years now. And in that time, a million children have gone through our programs. And as I say, currently 2.2 million. But we're an international child development organization. Our model of funding is one-to-one -one child sponsorship. Uh, but we do so much more than that. Massive interventions with water and uh, disaster stuff and all kinds of things, really. You know, building sanitation blocks and everything. Uh, so there's a lot more behind Compassion. Find out about it. Visit the website. Find out a little bit more about what we do as well. Um, but I get to work for this organization. It's amazing. I, I get to do that. What a privilege. You know, the Bible says to defend the cause of the poor and the needy and to speak up for those who don't have a voice. And I get to speak up for children who are on the wrong side of the tracks, who are on the wrong side of justice, and nobody's listening to them. And so they need a voice, and they need us to be a voice. Uh, and, and whether that's in Kenya or Colombia or wherever it is, you looked up then, didn't you? Uh, wherever it is in the world where there is absolute dire poverty, or whether it's in these communities around here, people need someone to speak up for them. People need someone to defend their cause. And, you know, that comes out of being a compassionate church, as has already been talked about this morning. Well, I want to uh, just go to a Bible story that you know probably pretty well. It's on, uh, from Exodus chapter 2, and I think we've got the scriptures are going to come up on, on the screen there, but uh, if you've got a Bible or whatever, actually, I think what we'll do, because the time is going on, you know this story, put the scriptures up, and people can just be reading that through. That'll be great. Uh, and it's the story of Moses, and we'll, we'll talk around this story in a few moments, but just, just kind of briefly read it through there, and uh, you'll get some context about uh, what is actually going on. Remember that Moses was in that basket. And verse 6, in the authorized version, I don't even know what that is, but it's, a, it's a, the authorized, says this, and when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. I like that version because it says the word compassion, not pity. I think pity is one thing. Compassion puts legs and arms and feet and hands on pity and does something about what you feel inside. Compassion is, the Greek word is splagnitsomai. That's a great word. Do you want to say it? Splagnitsomai. Go on, go for it. Splagnitsomai. Splagnitsomai. I love that. It, it means with passion. You know, compassion means with passion. And it, it, it's, it comes from the, the very bowels, you know, of, uh, of one's being, you know. And, and, and when Jesus hung upon that cross, it was with passion. You know, it, it, from the, the deepest part of within, he hung there and he bled and he suffered and he died because he was passionate about you and I. And compassion is we get to do it with him. We get to share in his sufferings. We get to share in his passion for people, for the lost and the broken and the hopeless and the helpless, the last, the least, the lost. We get to share in that with him, with him in his passion, com 
compassion, splagnitsamai. And so she had compassion on him. And she said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. If you never read the Bible story before, then you'll probably know the story from the Prince of Egypt, the film, or the stage show. Uh, but it's an incredible story of deliverance from captivity and the creation of a nation. And it all centers around this guy called Moses. And it's a picture of God's uh, plan of salvation demonstrated through his love for mankind to bring people out of the slavery of sin into the family of God through his son, the Lord Jesus. Anybody know that translation uh, from death to life, from darkness to, to light? Anybody out there know that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. This is powerful. So this is great news. This is good news. This is what we want for others to know as well. Uh, and we've come out of that situation and we've come out of slavery into the freedom and the liberty of the kingdom of God. So in chapter one, Pharaoh is concerned about the rise of the Hebrew people who live in his land, okay? And, and the fear of being outnumbered. So he says to his advisors, we've got to keep them down. Let's make slaves of them. Let's take away their liberty and uh, we'll keep them under. And not only that, but uh, he was ruthless with them and he made their lives bitter. And what would happen as well, uh, because they wanted to control the numbers, if the Hebrew women had a baby, if it was a male, they would kill the baby and throw him in the, uh, into the river, river Nile. Can you imagine the horror and the pain and the, the suffering of the people at that time? Maybe not unlike the suffering and the pain of those in the Ukraine right now or in other war-torn countries where... Uh, you know, people are just ruthless and bitter with the people, making their lives bitter, where people are displaced, where refugees are uh, having to flee to other countries, where people are being killed, including young children as well. Breaks the heart of God, breaks our hearts. Let's never get hardened to the needs of the world. Sometimes we can get compassion fatigue. Sometimes we can feel like, well, there's so much going on. Just have a broken heart for the, for the world. You can't do everything. You can't change the world for everyone, but you can change it for one. You can make a difference somewhere. You can pray a prayer. You can put an arm around a shoulder. You can sponsor a child. You can uh, help IJM get people out of trafficking. You can uh, get involved in food bank. You can do all kinds of things in this community to show that compassion and make a difference. Well, into this situation, a young boy is born, and his name is Moses, and he's born into slavery with a death sentence on his head. This poor little kid, he hadn't done anything wrong, but already there's a death sentence on his, on his life. And, and what chance did he have? What hope was there for him? You see, this was his people and the oppressor was out to get him. He was born into the wrong postcode. You see, he was born into the GO postcode. That's Goshen, all right? Uh, not into the TH postcode, that's Thebes. All right, he had no hope of getting there. He was in the geo postcode. Can I tell you that uh, a person's opportunity, lifestyle and fate are very often linked to the postcode that they are born into and, and live into. You don't have to go too far from here to find how culture changes, how economy changes, how uh, people's opportunity and lifestyle and all of those things change because 
of the postcode that they're in. You know that your car insurance goes up because of certain postcodes. Things are, it seems unjust, it seems unfair, and that's the way it is world, worldwide. And so these people were in the, the geo postcode of, of Goshen. Well, can I tell you, church, that there are currently 370 million children in our world who were born into a postcode of exploitation, of slavery, of poverty, of trafficking, of uh, abuse, and all kinds of things. And, and they are in their Goshen with no hope of getting to Thebes, as it were. Okay? There are children who are caught up in forced labor, a little bit like the Hebrews had to make bricks out of straw. There are children who are in bonded debt, bonded labor. It's a debt that has been handed down through the generations of their family, where somebody took out a loan, but they weren't able to pay it back, and so it's handed on to the next generation. And so they're in quarries or in factories or in different situations where maybe they're working 16 hours a day, and they can never, ever repay the debt that they owe, and so they're slaves in that situation. Young children like that in our world today. Children caught up in, in wars, civil wars in their country as child soldiers, having to uh, shoot guns at people and, and do terrible things, uh, as well as all the challenges of others who are faced with sexual exploitation and trafficking, not having food security, clean water, and access to education and health care. And, you know, just as there was a, a death sentence over Moses' life, so too for many today they won't even reach their first birthday because of disease, because of poor sanitation, because of uh, filthy water, because of a lack of hygiene and uh, maternal resource and, uh, you know, uh, all of the things that go to help uh, that child be born into uh, a place of stability and hope for the future. And it will affect infant mortality over and over again. For many mums in our world today, they just cannot protect their children that they love so dearly and yet haven't got the resource to be able to make a difference into their life. You hear some horrible uh, you know, stories and documentaries, don't you, of what is going on in some of the, the parts of the world. That's the disparity for those in the wrong postcode. You know, I love the spirit of Jochebed, though. That's Moses' mum, okay? It's as though she's turning around and she's saying to the oppressor, to Pharaoh, you're not having my child. That's my son. That's my Moses. You're not having him. You know, he's my offspring. He's, he, he, I, get your hands off. And so she refuses to allow the enemy to take her child. So she takes this little basket and she makes it waterproof and she puts little three-month-old Moses into the basket because he's making a bit of a noise now in the community and she's scared he might get sort of found out. So she puts him in the basket and she closes the lid and she puts the basket in amongst the bulrushes and the reeds in the River Nile. Wow, uh, that's a, a, a bit of a risk, isn't it? And then she tells her daughter, Miriam, to stay close and to watch what happens. And so that's uh, what she does. Well, here's the thing. Don't let the enemy, church, take from you what God has invested in your life. What he has deposited in you, that gift, that ministry, that talent, that ability, uh, whatever it may be, don't allow the enemy to take from you what God has deposited in you. You have a responsibility to nurture it, to grow it, to develop it, to cultivate it in order that it might be useful for the king 
one day when he is ready, when the time is right, for, and that will be for, to help with the salvation of other people coming, uh, you know, that need to come and know him as well. Don't let the enemy rob you of that thing. And sometimes, you know, we give up too soon. You know, because we get opposition or because we get criticism or because we get disillusioned because we don't seem to be bearing fruit or, or, or because God doesn't seem to be releasing us in that thing just yet. Don't give up on that. Hold on to it because if God has given it to you, it's only a matter of time. And be faithful with that which he's given to you. Well, what faith she exhibits? She knows she's got to do something about this and what a risk she takes putting this baby into the bulrushes, into a crocodile-infested river. Anybody would put your child into a crocodile? Sometimes, depending on their family. No, 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 you wouldn't do that. Of course you wouldn't do that. But, uh, uh, but Jochebed had heard the stories of a faithful God handed down through the generations. And she knew that God could be trusted. And, you know, I want to say to you, church, that God can be trusted. He is a faithful God. In your situation, whatever you're going through right now, He's faithful. He's faithful. He's not turned his eyes away from you. He's not shut his ear to you. He's the God who sees. He's the God who knows. He's the God who cares. And you think, well, he's, heaven seems silent or he doesn't seem to be answering my prayers right now. Maybe he's just, just testing you. Are you going to hold on to him even though the way is a bit tough right now? Are you going to keep on pressing on? and maturing and growing and developing character and faith and persistence in this thing. That's what he wants to grow in you. Don't give up. God is a faithful God. Listen, he's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. And so if he's that, if he's the beginning and if he's the end, then everything in the middle is taken care of. Stop worrying. Stop worrying. You know, we we live in an anxious society, don't we? People are anxious and, you know, there's good cause because everything seems unstable right now. But look, we're, we're children of a different kingdom. We're people of another kingdom, people of another spirit. Don't, don't get anxious. Do not be anxious for anything, the Bible says. But in everything, by prayer and by supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, the peace of God will come and transcend everything else. Come on, live in peace. Live in the great. Trust God. I think sometimes we don't trust God. Oh, it's going to all end in tears. It's all horrible. You know, it's, a, it's horrible out there. Some terrible things. But listen, we've got to be a people who live a different lifestyle, who are able to impact others and influence others, you know, and, and help them to understand that actually when you follow the king, it's okay. It's all going to be okay. Don't, don't lose sleep over stuff. Trust him. Trust him. He's, ah, oh, in my life I've had all sorts of stuff going on, honestly. Worries and anxieties and all kinds of things. But, you know, I, I, okay, well, he's in charge. I don't have to lose sleep about it. The word says he neither slumbers nor sleeps. So let him take care of that and you have a good rest. All right? You know? Maintain the joy of the Lord because the joy of the Lord will be your strength. And trust him and let the peace of God just fill your life. Have I, have I said enough on that? Do you, do you need me to talk a little bit more into that? Okay. <laughs> Come on. He, he can be trusted. He's a father who loves you. You know, he cares about it. Somebody stood up just now and said, he loves you. He's full of love for you. Never stops thinking about you. 
David said, how precious to me are your thoughts. Were I to count them, I couldn't. They, they outnumber the grains of sand. God's always thinking about you. He's always rejoicing over you. He loves you. Stop worrying, am I good enough? Have I let him down? Have I failed him? Probably. I do that most days. But, you know, I can come before a, an awesome God who's full of grace and says, you can come boldly, Tim. You can come boldly. Oh, God, but I'm carrying all this. I've done this. I've looked at that. I've said this. I've hurt some. I've, but, yeah, I want you to come because I love you and I forgive you. And it's okay. Wow. Hopefully that's a word for somebody this afternoon. Don't get bound up in legalism and religion and religiosity and all of that stuff. This is about relationship and you can freely come to the one who shed his blood on a cross so that you could be free. Amen. It's great. So Miriam's watching and, and verse 5 says that Pharaoh's daughter comes down to the river to bathe and her attendants are, are like walking along the riverbank and they're probably trying to find a safe place for her to bathe in, okay? And that's when she sees the basket and she tells the servants to bring it to her. Now look, here's an interesting thing and I want you to go with me on this. If you've got any theologian, theologians in the room, just give me some grace and give me some space on this one, okay? And then judge me later, all right? But I don't think you will. I think you'll go for it. But I don't want any emails, okay? But here's an interesting thing. You see, Jochebed puts the basket in the Nile, and I guess it was fairly close to where she, she lives so that Miriam could keep an eye on it. Now, the question is, why would the princess be in the geo postcode? That would be a bit dangerous, wouldn't it? That wouldn't be a good place for the princess to be bathing. And, and, and why would she want to bathe in the part of the river where the Hebrews had bathed and washed their clothes and maybe some of their goats and cattle wandered around in? Why would that happen? Now, you see, this would be downstream from the palace, okay? The Hebrews would probably have bathed in the dirty water of the Egyptians, not the other way around. Uh, so the only thing that I can think of is that somehow... Somehow, church, and you're all sitting forward on your seats now thinking, well, what? somehow the basket moved upstream. Whoa. Oh, come on. Give me some. <laughs> Respond. You know, getting so Somehow the basket moved upstream. How would it do that? How on earth would it do that? Well, listen, I think that somehow was God. I think God intervened in this situation because God's able to do that. You see, in a few months' time, God would be parting the Red Sea. If he could part the Red Sea, surely he could move a basket upstream. You know, this basket was going against the current, against the tide, against the expectation of the norm. But God can do that, you see, because he's a God of miracles. He can part the Red Sea. He can pull down the walls of Jericho. Uh, you know, he can make the sun go back, you know, for Joshua. And later on, Jesus can feed well over 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. He can walk on water. He can do all sorts. So it's not so, not so far out there, is it, that the, the basket could actually go upstream. You know, God's very good at doing that. He gets, he's good at taking that which is despised, which is rejected and worthless and downstream in the eyes of the world and sending them upstream. Oh, come on, I need some more, I need some more. That will help me. You see, 1 Samuel 2 verse 8 says this, that he raises the poor from the ash heap, from the dust, and lifts the needy from the ash heap. 
He seats them with princes and bestows on them a throne of honor. I love this. I love that God loves people so much, no matter what their condition or their circumstance or their color or their uh, situation, he will lift people and he will bring people into a new place of hope and faith and life and opportunity if they'll only let him. Listen, you may be at the bottom of the pile today. You may feel like you've been left aside. You may feel like life has not served you well and you didn't get a good hand when it was dealt out. Perhaps you feel like that you are in a place of containment. Maybe you feel like there's a sentence over your life. And maybe that might not be a sentence of death. But maybe it's a sentence in words that has killed something in you, where somebody has put you down, where somebody has spoken words over you that have contained you or robbed you. Maybe words like, I don't love you, or words like, you're a mistake, never wanted you in the first place, or words like, you'll never amount to anything, or you'll never become something, or you just not got it in you. You know, no, no, no. This is us. We don't do that kind of thing. We never break out. We never go abroad. We never do something different. You know, words that contain, words that kill something in us. And that's a sentence. I want to rewrite the sentence today. In fact, God rewrites the sentence over your life. And he says, you're precious. You're honored. And I love you. You're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. I believe in you. And he calls greatness out of your life. And he says, I've got a new position for you. I want to reposition you into a place of hope and expectation and life and Uh, freedom and liberty and all kinds of things that God has for you. Let God speak a new word, a new sentence over your life. So, uh, So God is the one who can turn lives around and bring hope and transformation. And when he does that, it's not just for you. But it's for those around you as, as well, as we'll see with Moses. Well, Pharaoh's daughter tells the servants to bring the basket. But what attracted her, first of all, uh, to the basket? And what can we learn from her actions? You see, God was going to use this, one, this woman in his purposes uh, of salvation of the, the Hebrew people. And he wants to use us in his purpose as well of lifting children and young people out of their circumstances into a better future and and, and people in our communities and families and whatever it may be. God wants to use us. So here's a few things I want to share with you, okay, as we begin to come into land. Is that all right? Here's the first thing about the princess. Number one, she heard the baby crying. She heard the baby crying. I want to ask you this afternoon, will you hear the cry of the poor and the broken? Will you hear the cry of the poor and the broken? Will you open your ears to that which may not be comfortable, but it's crucial that we do? As disciples, we're disciples, don't forget. We're not just Christians. We're disciples, that's followers, doers, obeyers of the word, you know, people who want to do like Jesus and be like Jesus. Those are disciples. And he says, we've got to love God and we've got to love others. So we don't get out of this. We haven't got any choice. We, that, that, that's what you signed up to. So this is part of your discipleship. He talks about looking after the poor and making a difference and for the least of these and, and all of that. So, you know, this is, what we're, this is what we're about. Will you hear the cry of the poor? Don't get caught up in this consumer mentality in the Western world that says you need this, this, this and this. And you think, well, if I don't have that, then I'm behind everybody else. No, no, forget all of that. Because they keep finding more things to, to, to put there, you know, for you to grab at. You don't need it. Live simply so that others can simply live. 
do you know, we can, it's good to be blessed. I've got no problem with being blessed. You can bless me all your life. Throw things at me. Come on, bless me. But, but look, you know, we're blessed to be a blessing. We're blessed to release others, you know, and, and help others and make a difference. So don't get caught up with the pattern of this world, Paul says. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world and that philosophy and consumer mentality and all the rest. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's good, perfect and pleasing will is for your life. Wow. It's not rocket science, is it? It's just easy. It's simple. You know, love God, love others. Just live out his kingdom. Make a difference in the world today. So she heard the baby crying. Will you hear the cry of the poor? The word says this in Proverbs 21, 13. If a man shuts his ear to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. Ooh, that's a bit of a tough one, isn't it? I I like, you know, verses that... You know, that bless me, John, don't you? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Or, uh, or Anne, I love verses like, uh, um, she said, don't use my name, but I'm using her name. I love verses like, um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or, or uh, you know, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to give you a hope and a future, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Says it. We like those verses verses but we don't like the verses that are a little bit sticky and a little bit kind of hard to hear if a man shuts his ear to the cry of the poor he too will cry out and not be answered Ooh, but God don't you love me aren't you my father who wants to bless yes I am but I want you to understand you know that there's a pattern to that this there's a process that, that you've got to share my heart in this and that's why Isaiah 58 is all about you know, God getting angry and shouting at the church of that time who were saying, we've prayed, we've fasted, we've done everything and you're not listening to our prayers. And God says, yeah, but on the day of your fast, you exploit your workers, you climb over the backs of the poor, you, you treat people with contempt because you're greedy for gain. Is not this the kind of fast that just loose the chains of, I don't know it either. So, you know, so uh, there you go, but loose the chains of injustice and, and all of that and not to turn the stranger away, feed the hungry and Give shelter to the, the home, all of those things. Then your light will rise. Then your healing will come. So God wants us to get into the flow of what it means to share his heart. She heard the baby crying. Will you hear the cry of the poor this afternoon? She saw a baby, not a deliverer. See, the very means of delivering the people out of captivity was in her hands. But all she could see was a baby. It's like she's got this accessory now. Oh, I, got, I want one of those, you know? And so she's got this little baby that she can rock and kiss and cuddle and all the rest of it. Uh, but uh, she didn't really want to be bothered with the, the nappies and the, you know, the smell and all of that stuff. She just wants the accessory. She didn't realize that she had in her hands the deliverer of God's people. Wow. It's amazing, isn't it? I love that Jesus came as a baby. And in fact, there was a sentence of death over his life as well, as another mad, deranged king wanted to kill all the baby boys. But he comes small and helpless and vulnerable into the world to become the savior of the world. So Moses is a type of Christ, isn't he? And and so, uh, you know, what do you see as as a sponsor? What do you see in that picture of your child? Just a small, helpless little kid, you know? Oh, isn't he lovely? Isn't it great? You know, I can write letters to him and all the rest. Or do you see that this little guy 
could grow up to be a mover and a shaker and a nation changer and a community changer and a leader and a, you know, will make a difference. With it. Do you know what you've got in your hands, what you're, what you're investing in right now? Believe, call greatness out of their life. Pray for them. Uh, send Bible verses. Encourage them to become all that God wants them to be. Here's another one. She identified a child at risk. You see, she recognized the baby as a Hebrew child and probably she should have handed him over, you know, to the authorities. But no, she was smitten. You know, she connected with this little baby and the ball rush is there. And I'm praying today that God will, you know, connect your heart with a Nima or a Moses or one of those other precious children on the, the table there that uh, it might be a name and it might be a, uh, an age and it might connect in with your family, a grandchild or a child or, or, or whatever. But uh, I'm praying that God will connect you today so that, you, that that child can escape the circumstances that's against them. A child at risk of the effects of poverty. I'm praying for, you know, uh, girls like little Nima here. I don't want her to grow up and become a mum at the age of 12 and be involved in early marriage because, you know, the family's so desperate they need to sell her into early marriage to be able to make ends meet. That's the reality. You know, we don't know nothing about this, do we? In, in our world, and you say, Tim, I, I didn't come here to hear all this you know, sad stuff today. I, I came to be blessed. Listen, God wants you to hear his heart and understand the needs of the world. And, and we can make a difference to Anima because when you sponsor her, you keep her in school. <laughs> you know, you lift the burden from the family. Uh, you know, in their desperation. You keep her in school and then she gets a qualification and then she gets a job. And if she gets a job, she gets money. And if she gets money, then she gets spending power. And if she gets spending power, then she has a voice. And we need to give Nima her own voice so that she can make a difference in her community. And we empower young girls and young men to be able to do the work themselves. We're just part of the story. We just, what a privilege, we get to do this. We don't have to do it. We get to do this. What an incredible privilege. She asks someone to nurse him. Quick as a flash, Miriam jumps up and says, I know someone who could look after the baby. Brilliant. Brilliant. All in the plan of God. Okay? Fantastic. So she goes and gets her mum, Jochebed. How cool is that? Do you know, in Compassion, we're not in the business of taking children away from their families into children's homes. We, whatever the family looks like, whether it's a, a grandparent looking after the children or an auntie or a single dad or single mum, we want to build into that family and help the family to come into some stability. And the more families we can impact, the greater the blessing in the community and the, the transformation that happens in the community. And as these families are getting to hear the good news of the gospel and coming to faith in Christ, so the local church is growing and thriving in that situation as well. Uh, and so that's what we want, someone to nurse him. And, uh, and so uh, Jochebed was able to nurse a child. Then the princess pays for his care and support. I love this. It's incredible, isn't it, that Jochebed gets her child back. And not only that, but somebody else takes the burden of financial care. That's brilliant. Maybe that was the first child sponsorship in the Bible. All right, that's pushing it a little bit. Okay. Okay. Rewind. Okay. But uh, you see, when, you, when you, you sponsor a child, you get to invest in their needs, their health, their education, their social, emotional support, and their spiritual support as well. And, uh, you know, that will flow over into the lives of the rest of the family too. Here's one more, and then we're going to show a video, and then we're going to wrap this up. Okay. She took him from a river to a palace. 
You know, later as Moses got a bit older, he went to live in the palace of Pharaoh, it says. And Acts chapter 7 verse 22 says this, that Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. See, the boy was moving upstream. He was moving upstream. That's good news, isn't it? Little Moses, who was in a, you know, a river full of crocodiles, is now in the palace and he's getting a great education and he's learning to be a good person and all the rest of it. And one day God's going to use all of this. God was positioning him to become uh, the person that he needed to be able to take the Hebrews out of captivity. Wow, story after story I could tell you of, of children in our programs who've gone through uh, that discipleship program, have a hope and a future, and are now lawyers and doctors and engineers and teachers and pastors and business people and politicians in their country, affecting change and making a difference, and great mums, great dads, role models in their community, establishing great families, and, uh, you know, Richmond Wandera from Uganda, you know, he saw his dad murdered when he was a little boy. He was very angry and resentful, and then one day he got registered onto a compassion program and, uh, you know, began to grow. And uh, then he met Jesus and, you know, went right through the thing and went through our leadership development program. Then he ended up pastoring the church that oversaw the project that he was in, still does. He started a pastor's network. Thousands and thousands of pastors have gone through that. He's uh, just opened a Bible college a couple of years ago, training up people for the message of the gospel to go out across Africa. I asked him a few years ago what he wants to do. Now, he said, I want to be the president of Uganda, and he probably will. <laughs> but, you know, right now he's on our board of Compassion UK, and there he is consulting and assisting us and helping us as we seek to do development well, because he's lived it. Incredible. More stories. Can we roll that video? And here it comes. Thank you. The least of these. In a given week, we'll go at least for three days without food. The friends that I played with in the neighborhood got captured and was being trained to become child soldiers. We would beg our parents just to buy one apple, but even the rotten ones we could not afford to buy. In a period of 18 months, I lost my small brother Patrick, my mom, and I lost my stepdad because of the terrifying disease of HIV AIDS. When my mother died, I was lost. I was looking for hope, for God to just show me that everything was going to be okay. Not knowing what tomorrow will look like, not knowing whether I would have a home, whether we would live to see the next day. I don't know why Aaron Mitchell decided to sponsor me, but when he did, my whole life changed. A group of people from Compassion showed up at my church. They said, you're going to go to school, and then somebody's going to write to you. I don't have to worry about whether my parents would have enough money to keep me going to school. Even if I get sick, someone was there to take care of me. I felt safe. I felt wanted. 
my sponsor is Edwin Bunny, Maria and Hanshro, Aaron Mitu. Five women from a Lutheran church that were sponsoring me. I am now a physical therapist and I'm working in a hospital. Clinical social worker. I was the first child in my family to go to high school, to go to college. I have a bachelor and a master in, in, in biomedical engineering, a second master in engineering management and uh, I called me into ministry so I had to go and get a third master. I have a ministry called Youth Arise Africa that works with boys who don't have father figures. We opened a small school. It's now providing the same opportunity that Compassion provided to me so that they too can break out of the cycle of poverty. Whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. You do for me. You did for me. You did it for me. Sponsor a child today to break the cycle of poverty in a child's life like my sponsor did for me.